All right, welcome back. This is episode five of the podcast. My name is Kate Hubble. I am your host today and every day that you tune in. Welcome back. This is our fifth episode, so we're halfway to like a big goal of mine. Um, I, you know, I've told people in my real life this, but I've decided that at either 500 listeners or 10 episodes, I'm going to transition to audio and video podcasting. So I'll have a video set up that you could actually watch if you wanted to um, with like more visual stuff and maybe more like entertainment in that way. So this is kind of a big deal. We're halfway to a big, you know, milestone for me with this podcast. Um, thank you to all of you guys that listen. I feel like this is so interesting in a way, the fact that people want to sit on in their free time and listen to me talk for an hour. Um, my friends do that all the time. So I, you know, I'm surprised that even them want to sit down, um, and, and listen to me ramble, I guess, in this way. But this episode, you know, we're, we're keeping the alliteration with the titles. I've never come out and said that, but I started it with the mimosas and mistakes thing. And then I Tinder and Tom Brady. So, um, and then last week was masculinity madness. Well, the last episode two weeks ago. So, Here we are today. This episode is episode five, Controversial Conversations, and that's going to work in a couple different ways. Um, I've got really fun, exciting stories for you. So, you know, if you're here for the tea, if you're here for the drama, I've got that. I've got old stories that are are fun um, that I promised my cousin I would tell on this episode. So I'm going to do that. Um, And then we're going to get into a more like political controversial conversation at the end as a result of our first half of this episode. So yeah, so let's get into it. I am excited for this episode. I'm also a little nervous, I'll be honest, because I, this is an episode that is gonna for sure lead to uh, real life consequences, not consequences necessarily in a bad way, but definitely conversations with people in my real life. And ding, 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 Tinder boy, that's you, you know that. Um, But also, I have already spoken with him before this podcast. So I feel good knowing that, you know, I had very direct communication with him before coming and kind of like talking about it here on the podcast. So for him and for everybody else who's listening, well, I guess for him and and one other person, um, but then also for your context as you're listening, um, I would like to preface that the story I'm going to tell about last week, last Wednesday specifically, um, is not the reason for the conversation that we had on Sunday. And I'm saying that to him specifically because I... It's going to sound like there's this new thing that made me feel the way I feel about Tinder Boy. However, I was feeling that way about him. And this thing that I'm going to share with you exacerbated and or exposed that feeling to me with a sense of urgency, with a sense of it is not fair to him to continue in this way without a conversation. So um, I'm going to get into that and we're going to talk about kind of the status of things. I know a lot of airtime on this podcast is keeping up with my personal life and my love life. So um, I don't know if, if y'all love that. I'm getting good feedback. I'm getting people like hearing the the tea. They like the drama. They like the Tinder boy stuff. So um, the people I know and that I get feedback from are invested in this storyline. So I'm going to keep talking about it as it is relevant. And I said that. Um, last episode, I would, I would refrain from talking about it until it became relevant again. And here we are. It is now relevant. So last week was one of the longest weeks of my life. I had my roommate's boyfriend's birthday. 
I had Wednesday night karaoke with my best friend. I had Thursday night reconnecting with a girl um, that I'm really close with. Actually, I like her a lot, but I haven't seen her in months because we've both been busy and COVID and just kind of lost touch for a bit. But I saw her and it was like I have, I saw her yesterday, you know, like it's, I saw her and it's like no time had passed. So that was super fun. Friday night, I went to a haunted tavern, a haunted speakeasy thing with my best friend. Um, Saturday and Sunday, I chilled and here we are. So it was a long week. I have, I've had exams in my classes. I've had personal family stuff. I've had, you know, you know, just a lot on my plate. So um, it was nice though to have these opportunities kind of at the end of my day. So I have very long days with school and work and, you know, et cetera, stuff that I work on, not that I work like I have a paying job, but um, between everything I do during my day, it, it's hard to find time to kind of like unwind and relax. So it was nice having all these different little social things to go do at night once I got all my stuff done. Also, I'm going to do this right now and <laughs> she's going to hear it and she's going to text me right away, which is so cute. Um, my best friend is the best person I know. And I say that not because you guys need to hear it, but because I, it's funny, like how close we are and our friendship makes me want that from other people. And what I'm finding is that people my age um, are not as willing to have that kind of like friendship that we have as she and I are. Um, I've met really awesome, really great friends and, and people that actually give a shit lately. Um, but I went a long time feeling like, wow, this like this thing is it. And, and I have a best friend um, that lives in California. Our dynamic is very different. She is my soulmate to the end of the like till the end of my life. That is a thousand percent like in the books, right? But she and I have a different like she lives in California. So I don't see her unless she's home. I haven't been able to go out and visit her yet just between like school and then COVID and uh, just the world is crazy and her world is crazy over there too. So she and I are the kind of friends that we can not talk for literally months and be just as close as ever. So that's a very different dynamic. My best friend that I'm referring to on this podcast frequently um, lives five minutes from me. We're up each other's asses. Like we see each other every day. We talk every day. Um, on Wednesday actually and so this is where I'll start my story but I just felt the need to give that shout out she is my favorite person ever and I love her the most period but Wednesday morning um, I called her and we were talking about stuff and I was having some like feelings about tinder boy and we were just talking through stuff and we were talking about like therapy and work and school and boys and whatever and we we're on the on FaceTime for like an hour and she looks at me and she's like, I'm making lunch. Uh, come over. And I said, okay, bitch, I'm on my way. <laughs> um, so I drove the five minutes that it takes me to get to her place. We had lunch and then we hung out literally all day. I brought my computer. I did homework uh, that I needed to get done. We talked. We spent time together. And the thing about this friend specifically that I like is if I looked at her and I said, shut the fuck up. I have an assignment to do. She would be the first person to sit do something else, let me do my homework, and then we'll go right back to having a great time after, which I would never speak to her like that for, like, to clarify, but she's the kind of friend that we're so blunt with each other that, like, if I was like, hey, I'm, I, yes, I can come over, but I have stuff to do, she would be like, yeah, come over anyway, and, like, we'll be fine, so I appreciate that about her, and I had, I was having kind of, like, a mm, day, so after the night before, which is other, other drama that won't be aired out on this podcast, but, um, the night before kind of hit me hard. So that, that morning, that day, I was kind of going through it. We were talking 
So I, I started to feel like stuff about Tinder Boy. And what I'll explain is I started to feel like kind of upset at the lack of and or the amount of effort that he was or was not putting in. And the thing is, that's kind of tricky, right? Because the whole time I've been knowing, like the whole time I've known him, I've been telling him do less, like do less being at my ass, do less offering to bring me food, do less, like we're casual, right? Like we're getting to know each other, we're figuring this out, so like chill. And that's the, that's the message I've been sending him. So for me, all of a sudden to be like, you're not putting in enough effort, like that's so fucked, like I'm not that person. And so I didn't know what to do with those feelings. I didn't know what to do with that. But then I also came to this like thought process of, okay, so I want more, but I'm telling him to do less. So what's the like, what's the appropriate way to go about about that? In my head, um, it's hard because I'm going to law school in a year, maybe a year and a half more accurately, but I'm going to law school relatively soon in the span of my life. And so to ask someone, hey, take this all the way with me. Let's date hardcore, serious. I want more effort. I want more energy. I want more this. I want more that. And then say, oh, by the way, in a year, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to dip and, and I'm going to be super single um, when I go to law school. That's the plan because I need to do it on my own. I need to not be, an, I need to focus on achieving what I want for my life. And I know that the only way I'm going to do that successfully is if I'm literally doing it by myself. So it's, it put me in a predicament of this is what I want versus this is what I'm telling him versus this is what is fair to ask of him. And I had been feeling that way for like a couple of days. And again, he, the, 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 the conundrum with it all is that I liked him in the first place and I still like him in this way because he's a really, really, really good guy because he's really great. And so I developed feelings and I developed that kind of craving for more because of who he is, not because of who I am. I was adamant, and he would tell you this, I was adamant when I met him that I did not want to date anyone. And I gave him a very specific, like, you have no guarantees with me, like, don't even try energy. So it was like his behavior that made me kind of fall in that way, like fall for him, uh, which sounds maybe more dramatic than the level of feelings that I had. But um, it was a thing I had been feeling. So keep that in mind. Hold on to that. Fast forward a couple hours, my bestie gal and I decide we're going to karaoke at this bar really close by that we really like. So we get there, I post something on my Snapchat story, and I'm getting all of this attention, which I will admit I love. I am attention-seeking, and I am working on it, Um, but I, I am. I like the attention. However, I like the attention in the way that I like it, which again is not fair. So I don't love that everyone's swiping up on my story going, oh my god, you're so hot, oh my god, uh, like I, the fucking wet emojis with the tongue, like I don't want that, like I I do like the wow, you look good, like I like the more subtle, less sexually aggressive compliments, um, but you got to kind of take, if you're seeking attention, you got to kind of just take what comes your way because you don't get to decide how men will pay attention to you or people will pay attention to you. So I'm getting all this like attention, but believe it or not, and I know this is going to sound really weird because I never anticipated this um, and I've never actually had this happen to me before, but I'm getting all this attention on my story and my gut response, if I don't know you that well and you comment something nice on my story, is just thank you or thank you so much with like some exclamation points or like an emoji. 
if I know you, you're getting like a, oh my gosh, thank you. That's so sweet. Like, let's hang out soon. Like, that's, that's more the energy is like more personal, more genuine. Not that my thank you is ingenuine. It's just casual. It's just like, eh, thank you. Yeah. Like, that's it. I don't, we don't talk. So thanks. But then I'm, I'm doing that, right? With these people swiping up on my story and I'm getting, I say thanks and they go, oh, so you want to tell me why you ghosted me on Tinder? And I'm like, oh, love that for me. Like, oh, let's all, yes, let's unpack all the reasons I became uninterested in you from texting you for an hour on Tinder. Yeah. Um, So that's super uncomfy for me. Like having people be like, oh my God, you're so hot. Me be like, thank you. And they're like, why'd you ghost me? I'm like, whoa, okay, where did that come from? Um, super uncomfortable, to be honest. So I'm, I'm getting like visibly frustrated looking at my phone. And also Tinder boy messaged me something and I genuinely, and I said this to him when I saw him, I genuinely forget what the message said. But he messaged me something and I'm like staring at my phone, like fuming between all these like weird ass Tinder people and like all these like people from high school, like sliding in, like it's too much. And I don't, I'm like starting to not like it and like get a little pissy. And my best friend looks at me and she's like, no, nope, we're not doing it. We're fixing the energy. We're going to have a great time. Give me your phone. Uh, Forget about Tinder boy. Forget about all the people swiping on your story. Like, we're just going to have a good night because it's you and me and we always have fun. So that's what we did. So she took my phone. Also, my phone was on like 5% battery and I needed to Uber home. So it was just like a practically wise decision for her to have it. So I wouldn't just like be on it all night and have my battery die. Um, So right literally 30 seconds after I hand her my phone up walks this man and I've struggled with what to to code name this man we've got tinder boy we've got some Avon Park people we've got the bestie gal like everybody has pretty tame nicknames (laughs) and um I, I I struggled a little bit with what to call him and I think I've settled and I I think he'll like this um he's this sexy Syrian man right? And so he's the sexy Syrian. That's his fucking nickname. And he'll eat that up because he's a Leo and his ego is fucking through the roof. But um, so this like sexy ass man walks up to us and knows my friend because she's been there before for karaoke. And she's like, he's like, oh my God, you're so good. What are you singing tonight? And she's like, oh my God, you're so good. What are you singing tonight? And I'm just kind of sitting there like 30 seconds after my little hissy fit, like who the fuck is this guy? But also like who the fuck? Damn. Like, damn, you know? And and also we were like drinking. So my my thing also for context is, um, and it might not sound like that because since, <laughs> since I've started this podcast, there's probably a lot of drinking stories because I just turned 21, but I'm not a drinker. I'm not a big drinker. I'm not used to drinking out. I don't know my limits. I don't know how much of what affects me. How Like, I'm learning still. So, um... So I meet this guy and and there's like a banter, right? Which I eat that shit up. I am argumentative and aggressive as fuck. Um, Not when I'm drinking, just in general. So when men specifically kind of like hand it right back to me, I'm like, damn. Tinder boy's the same way. Tinder boy does not let me off easy. I'll say some shit and he'll look at me like, okay. Um, He also, (laughs) he does, and he does a similar thing, which is like, you can say that and feel that I'm still going to do whatever I want because like, I hear you, but also I'm not just going to give in to whatever you say right away, which was super attractive about him too. So, so I meet this guy, we hit it off. He's like super nice banter, funny, 
Like, I can tell that he's super smart, but it's not the kind of smart that's like, I'm a med student at blah, 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 and I'm so fucking, like, listen to all this stupid bullshit I do in my class. It's not like showing off boasty smart. It's just like well-rounded smart, which again, I like that show don't tell energy that like, I don't need to tell you how smart or interesting or funny I am. I just will be myself and you'll notice, um, which was the energy that he had. So I continue like hanging out with it like with him he brings his friends over we meet his friends we met other people we we became friends with so my best friend's kind of sitting in a circle I'm sitting in a circle with this guy and his friends uh they start playing pool I sit up with them like really honestly joking around teasing like laughing fun right and I again love that shit so it starts to like get later and I like we've been hanging out all night at this bar kind of and I'll get to that part but it's it's weird because there was this like magnetism at least for for me um towards him that I didn't expect obviously stranger at a bar I just met but as we kept talking and talking and it was it was a weird sensation of I felt very seen I felt very like I'm pretty reserved. I'm pretty guarded. I keep a lot to myself. I don't I don't share stuff with people right away. I, I really hate being vulnerable. And I I felt like whatever walls I had built up were just like made of glass. Like he could see right through it. And he actually weird party trick did this thing, did this thing where he he, we were like talking about something and he said, he was like, I feel like you have a lot on your mind. Like, I feel like there's something going on with you. And I was like, I do have a lot on my mind. I have a lot on my plate, self-induced. <laughs> I put a lot on my own plate. Um, and he looked at me and he was like, do you need a hug? Do you want a hug? And I was like, I don't need a hug. Like I, my sassy ass is like, I don't need anything from you. Like I do, you know, my, my antics. Um, and he hugged me. And it was like, it wasn't like a dad hug where you like put one arm around their shoulder and you pat their <laughs> pat their back a couple times. Like, oh, they're there. Like he like hugged me. Like he like embraced me while I'm like sitting on top of this table, like at this bar. And I didn't cry. I didn't feel like I was going to cry. But he told me later that he was fully prepared for me to be crying. Like he was like fully ready for that which is an interesting thing to say but his point was like he saw something in me like he saw something in my in my eyes and my aura and my energy and he was like you need a hug like you need this right now and it felt good and I again I didn't feel like I was going to cry but the fact that he was ready to kind of elicit that amount of emotion from me was interesting so he comes home with me kind of um he texted me well he had to take his friend home which was like cock block I swear that's a that's a bad wingman I'll say it no I'm kidding his friend was actually really nice but um so he he comes back to my place it was kind of cute because he texted me he was like so I'm trying to decide if I should go home or dot 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 and I was like come over like come here like come hang out so he comes and we so he comes over and to be so, so honest and transparent. And, and I hope he would agree with this. I would say 90% of the time, the hours that he was here, we spent talking. Which is my shit. Like, that's, that's, that's some me shit, for sure. Like, for sure, that is my energy. Like, up all night talking to someone, like, getting to know them, having that, like, deep 
real conversation. And we got to a point in the conversation where we started talking about like, like kind of a philosophy on love and sex and relationships. And it was weird because unprompted, things were coming out of this man's mouth that I had, I had thought and believed at my core my whole life. Well, okay, since I was maybe like 15 or 16. Um, and, and it was so interesting to like have something in your head for that many years that you've never shared with anyone, that you've never expressed out loud, and have someone else kind of repeat it back to you in, in as, if, as if it were in my own words. Like he said it, he said the stuff that we talked about almost identically to how I would say it. Obviously, I'm not an idiot. He comes at life and he comes at relationships and whatever from his own informed experience. But it was so odd to me in a weird serendipitous, there's no fucking way it's a coincidence kind of thing. And again, think about this. I just met him and we're having this conversation. So I was highly impressed, first of all. And it was, again, I it's it was weird. It was weird in this way that... And I'm going to share with you the philosophy that we kind of talked about is um, about relationships and not, not necessarily a philosophy, but kind of a, a way of going about things. And the way of going about things is, is holding this kind of level of unconditional expression of love, but in a finite set of moments. And so that's the best way that I have <laughs> I've found to articulate it is essentially... Um, love me for now and I I can't I could never ask someone to do that I could never I could never ask someone to say love me as much as hard as intensely as you can because that's what I want that's what I crave so I can leave in a year and actually have no strings attached. Like, that is unfair to ask of a normal person. Um, and that's also, to be clear, not what I'm asking of this guy, of the sexy Syrian. He's not you know, not asking that of him either. But the fact that, so so my limitation, and, and this is a conversation he and I will have the next time I see him, my limitation is law school. And he argued with me that it's not actually a limitation and that it doesn't actually count. Um, and that's the conversation that we're going to have when I see him is why it is actually, why it's real, why it's a real limitation. And I'm going to explain it now um, on a surface level of there's a lot in my life that has uh, made me feel unconsciously, right? Like not not actively in the forefront of my mind, but that has made me feel not good enough, not capable. And the problem with that is I am highly capable. I am so far past good enough that not feeling that way about myself is actually super toxic. And so there's experiences in my life where that has kind of like been reinforced. I've put myself in positions to not feel good enough or capable over and over again. And so I'm at a really crucial point in my in my mental health and in my journey and in my growth right now where going to law school, getting into law school and going to law school feels as core to who I am. 
that achievement, not even the like studying it, not even the being a lawyer, but the being able to do it feels so core to who I am that I am literally unwilling to compromise it in any way, shape or form, not with a relationship, not with anything else, not with family or friends or anything that there will be nothing to stand in my way. Now, the relationship side of things, because what he asked is if the perfect person comes along t- literally tomorrow, you're not going to you're not going to take that all the way. The perfect person, the person you are meant to be with for the rest of your life walks into your life tomorrow. You go to law school in a year and you're going to say no. And the problem with that is that the perfect person for me cannot be someone that I meet now. And maybe I don't get to choose that. But if I did meet the perfect person now, that person would be someone who fully understood and was willing and capable of letting me go on my own fully. Not I'll wait for you, not I'll follow you, not one day we'll get back together. Holding on to nothing, they would let me go. That would be the perfect person. So I came in this conversation with him, again, very intense, uh, somewhat emotional conversation, is... I do I want that. <laughs> I want I want to be loved now. I don't want to wait. But I also cannot ask that of someone again to reiterate. That's ridiculous. It's super hurtful to say give me your everything so I can take it, give you my everything and then literally part ways. Fully part ways. That's not fair. So in this conversation um and again, he, he thinks he's a catalyst for the, the Tinder boy stuff. But, but what he doesn't realize is that he's talking to me. And I think, I think he thought when we were talking, I could, I, could be, I could be wrong on this. I could have called this wrong. But I think he thought as he was explaining this to me that there was a look in my eyes like, yes, give that to me. You, you that I just met five hours ago, give me that. Give me all your love for now because you said you're capable But really, what I was thinking the entire time was, oh my god, that's what I want from Tinder Boy. But what I realized is that, and again, I knew it, and I've said it six times now, I'm sure, is that it's so unbelievably unfair to ask that of someone that I couldn't go any further with Tinder Boy because I want more. I'm getting pissy at bars looking at his texts. I'm getting frustrated with the lack of effort, which are all just indications that I want more, but I can't ask him for more in the way that I want without hurting him, essentially. And he might say, oh, I wouldn't be hurt, whatever, but I, I, I can't bring myself to do that. And so what I said to him, I saw him a couple days ago and we had this conversation. I said to him, I want more from you than what I am willing and comfortable asking you for. And he thought I was giving him like an ultimatum of like, date me or I'm out. (laughs) And what I was really saying is we need to just take a step back from this, from what we've been doing romantically, intimately, emotionally, whatever, uh, physically too, sleeping together. We need to step back from that uh, so that I can be okay. Because if we keep doing this, I'm just going to keep wanting more and, and, and I can't ask you for what I really want. So it's just going to, we're just going to be in this cycle of I want more, but I'm not asking you for more and I'm frustrated and it's just, it's, it would be toxic. Um, and this is why I said he, he made it harder than it had to be because, um, 
he's such a good guy. And I mean that in a nice way. I mean that as a compliment. He made it harder is in having that conversation. I was ready for him to look at me and say, fuck you. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be in your life. I don't want to take a step back. I was, I was ready for him to be like, who'd you meet? And I would have told him the truth. Um, but the truth also at its core is not about this new guy. It's not about the sexy Syrian, right? Um, it's about me and it's about what I want. And so I didn't share that in that conversation with him because it didn't feel relevant to my feelings. It, it felt relevant maybe uh, circumstantially to the, this is how I realized this. But I don't know that that is important. I, or I didn't know that or I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that that was important at that time in that conversation because it wasn't about whomever else other than me and how I was feeling and what I want and what I'm, you know, craving out of a relationship. And he he looked at me and was like, yeah, I'll be your friend. <laughs> yeah, we can chill. Yeah, we can take a step back. Yeah, I like you enough to do that. Um, and so we hung out for, you know, like maybe another hour and a half and talked and I was super emotional I was like crying crying while we were like sitting together and then he left and I bawled my eyes out because it's like I I liked him you know like I do I I'm like wow I'm on the verge of tears now I liked him I like him still and it would have been so much easier for him to be an asshole you know for all of us for all of us not that I want that again not that I'm like asking or desiring to be treated like shit but it would have been just cleaner for him to say fuck that no than for me to go I like you. I'm, we have to take a step back for both of us. That's going to be hard. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Um, but just that, like, I feel like I was, I was feeling bad. I was feeling like you've put this energy and time into me for me to go, whoa, let's back up. Um, and he seemed completely cool, like completely on, like on the same page. And he just said stuff like, I want you to be happy and I want you to be at peace and I don't want you to be in conflict. I don't want you to feel this way. Um, which again, <laughs> makes it worse because it's harder to move on from whatever romantic or emotional feelings that I have for him when he's being so kind because that's again why I had those feelings in the first place. Um, but he asked me something when I said like, I want to be loved in this isolated, in this finite in this you know time with an expiration date he was like have you done that before and that's where we get into the more like juicy (laughs) juicy fun side of this episode um that I think you guys will like really enjoy and I'm like emo now so I'm like quiet and (laughs) like calm and stuff but um I shared with him something I haven't shared on this podcast yet, and it's actually a really good story. So my cousin lives in Montreal, Canada. He goes to McGill University, um, which is gorgeous, by the way. It is beautiful. The campus is absolutely breathtaking, and Montreal is so fun, and the drinking age is 18, and I went when I was 18, and this is literally my favorite cousin on the planet. Like, we are inseparable when we're together, so... I hadn't seen him in, I think, years at that point, too. Like, I think it had been a really long time since we had seen each other at that point. And I went there, and I I, th- I think I got there on a Thursday, and I left on a Sunday. So I had, like, three or four days with him in Montreal for this weekend. And I actually came up specifically this weekend for a pledge party um, that he, because he was pledging a frat, and he wanted me to be there for his party. So we planned it appropriately, blah, blah, blah. I get there. 
we go out to dinner the same night, we go to a club, <laughs> we go to a strip club that was way too expensive. I think we each paid like 50 cover and then they made us pay for like the table and then they forced us to order drinks on top of that. Like it was a lot. <laughs> it was like not it was not okay. <laughs> it was, I, yeah, so that was the first night we got there, and when we got there to the, the first club, we had dinner, just the two of us, um, at this, like, all-you-can-eat sushi place, and then my cousin is actually psychotic, so he ordered literally one of everything on the menu, and then snuck it all in a box and brought it back to his dorm um so between dinner and the club we had to go back to his dorm to put the sushi in the fridge and then make it to the club to meet his friends so we get there and his friends are there and i meet them and they're super nice and there's this guy as there is in every one of my stories right there's this guy and i meet him and again magnetic like i and it's odd when that happens. I'm a, I'm, I consider myself to be a highly intuitive person. And so when I have that level of attraction, but not just on a physical level to someone, I'm hyper aware of it. So I meet this guy and I, you know, go back to my cousin's dorm later at the end of the night, whatever. And he was flirting with me all night and I was flirting back with him. Like that's context too, right? Like it was inherently flirtatious. So Um, I go back and we're talking about it and my cousin has a friend coming from Ottawa the next day for this party that he invited me to. I came all the way from Florida so he was like you're and I'm his cousin so he's like you're obviously welcome to stay with me but his dorm room was tiny and could barely fit his bed and my air mattress so it was like what are we gonna do and I was bold and I said well I could just stay with your friend uh if he's cool with it if he's down i could just stay there for the night um like the literal slut that i am no i'm kidding um but it was bold it was bold of me to be like um that feels like a good idea another thing too is i'm high 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 on like maintaining a sense of safety and so i felt completely unintimidated by this man and not in like a not sexy way in like i felt safe like he didn't like i also, my cousin wouldn't be friends with someone that I couldn't trust. That's another level of it. When I meet people, who, depending on who introduces me to them, um, there's an um, automatic level of trust because it's like my cousin wouldn't let me go do that if I was going to, you know, end up in some sort of bad situation. So the next night we all go out together. The girl that came in from Ottawa, my cousin, his friend and I, we all go out to this club. We part ways. The girl goes back home with him. They're just friends. So it wasn't like that. But um, they go back. I go back with this guy and without going into too much excruciating detail, uh, we spent the night together and genuinely, I I don't know if he felt the same way, but it didn't really matter (laughs) to me. Um, For the night that I was with him, the hours that I was with him, just the two of us, um, which also happens to be my favorite song by Bill Withers and Grover Washington. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it, but it's classic. Um, But just the two of us (laughs) when we were together, it literally felt like we were madly in love. Like it felt like so uninhibited in a way it was facilitated by the fact that we both knew i was leaving we also both knew there was a high probability i would never see him again so why not why not let it be as real as possible and i wrote especially at the time when i was 18 i was super emo and like artsy and like whatever i wrote like an entire like creative writing short story poetry thing about that night and the rest of the story is spicy this is where we get into the tea but just to wrap up this like 
Tinder boy, sexy Syrian, night out, like, big realizations, huge conversation with him. Um, I've been craving that night with that guy from Montreal, that energy, since it happened. And I might be doing it to myself, you know, I might be inducing this sort of expiration date in craving that feeling, but I also know how strongly I feel about all the law school stuff that I told you. Um, and I found someone who felt the same way. And so what I'll say, again, just to conclude for everybody's purposes, it's not that I met this new guy and said, oh, that's what I want. I'm going to go after that and goodbye, Tinder boy. I met this new guy who shares a philosophy that I've thought about for my whole life and realized that it would take a very specific kind of person. And I don't know if this new guy is that person and that's okay but I'm learning a lot from him and I'm realizing a lot in these conversations with him that person has has to be so specific that it's unfair to ask that level of commitment and investment and emotion and again unconditional love from a normal person so again it's not by comparison I didn't want to be with Tinderboy anymore it was by realizing that it would be unfair to ask for what I really want and then it would also be unfair to not ask for it and be pissed all the time and to be wanting more all the time and and have bad reactions to his behavior so just to conclude on that I feel like that's the best way I know how to articulate that but let's move let's move on with this Montreal story because that's the fun like that's the intimate like ooh emo like we were in love for the night part The second half of this story is actually bonkers. Like, let's talk about it. So so we wake up the next morning. He's showing me around like old Montreal. So this kid actually was going to a different university that was taught all in French. This is another thing. I don't know if I've said on this podcast yet that I speak French, but I speak French. And not only do I speak French, I love speaking French. Um, So being in Montreal, everybody speaks English, obviously, but they also all speak French. And I got so many opportunities to like flex my French and practice. And the guy in the Uber on the airport to like on the way in when I landed the, the first night thought I was French. Like, oh my God, my ego, my French, it was all just being stroked. It was so good. So, but the part of Montreal that my cousin lives in is much more like... English speaking people and it's much less culturally like French but this older part of Montreal where this other kid goes to university is old French deeply cultural Montreal I didn't get to see too much of it but we walked around he showed me his school it was really sweet it was it was a nice morning and then we met up with my cousin and the girl that his friend from Ottawa for breakfast and then we had kind of like a nice day all together um the guy that I spent the night with went back to his place and then we all met up later to get ready for this party and then my cousin had to go to the party early because he was a pledge and he needed to set up and so this girl is with me for a couple hours getting ready while my cousin's gone and the guy hasn't come back yet to meet up with us it's just the two of us and I'm getting to know her she's from Brazil like my cousin she's coming to school in Canada like my cousin very sweet girl she goes to school in Ottawa She's like kind of really artsy. We're talking about her Instagram and her photography and stuff. It's, it's, she was really cool, right? And she asks me, she's like, okay, I see you popping off with that man last night. Uh, tell me about it. Like, how was it? And I was like, oh, it was great. The sex was great. The vibe was great. I was like, it was so different and interesting. And like, it wasn't 
perfect physically, but it was kind of this cool, perfect moment isolated from everything else. And I'm describing this to her and we're having this really cool conversation. She's like, okay, I see you, blah, blah, whatever, like that kind of energy, like kind of like girl talk, you know? So the guy gets there, we're drinking Captain Morgan and apple juice like children because <laughs> we can't handle any real shit. And, um, and we go to the party. We go to the frat party. By the way, this frat house is beautiful, very well located. You walk inside and it is immediately sticky. Like just <coughs> disgusting. I can't even like describe, but also that's frat houses for you. So we go, we, the three of us, this guy, the girl and I go to the party. We see our, my cousin, he lets us in. Um, He's introducing me to his brothers and like he's told all of them that I'm coming. So they're all like excited to meet me. It was super fun actually, but he had to kind of work the party because he's a pledge. So he couldn't like hang out with me all night, which is fine. That's, I mean, I'm social enough to survive on my own. Um, So I'm kind of like bopping around this party doing whatever. And he gave me two ground rules. Um, and if you know me in real life, you know, I don't really do well with rules or being told what to do. There are some contexts where I'm a good, I'm a good listener. I do what I'm told, but most of the time in regular life, I don't super love that. Um, like I forget, I had some guy say to me like, oh, you can do this. And I was like, yeah, I know I can do that. I don't need your permission. And I like popped off and I was like, oh fuck. Okay. But I, you know, I, he gave me rules And so when he said, these are my two rules, I said, challenge accepted. Rule number one, don't go on the third floor, brothers only. He's like, I'm a pledge. I'm not even allowed on the third floor. Like you're literally not allowed. And and, and he was like, they won't let you up there anyway. Rule number two, do not, and I repeat, do not sleep with my big. And if you know anything about frats or or, or sororities or Greek life in general, you have a big um, in your first like semester, I mean, your big is forever, but they give you a big in your first semester and or you choose and or whatever. There's a process. So you get a big and they're like your big brother or big sister and you're their little and it's cute, right? So he, his big, he's told me about his big a hundred times and I'm like, he sounds cool. He sounds nice, whatever. I never met him. No informed opinion. So I get bored. <laughs> he's working the party. I get bored and I prance my happy ass up right to the third floor and immediately gets stopped one of, by one of the brothers. And he's like, who are you? And what the fuck are you doing up here? To which I said, like cute girl voice, like, oh my gosh, my cousin's in your frat. Like, I'm from Florida. I'm not from here. Like, I'm just visiting. <laughs> I did like a whole, like, I'm a cute girl. Like, don't kick me out. Like, I did a whole thing. I did a whole thing. And he was like, oh, you're this person's cousin, I'm not going to say his name for his purposes, but you're this person's cousin. I've heard about you. I'm so excited to meet you. He told me, like, he told us all that you were coming, blah, blah, blah. Let me show you around. Especially, I think they showed me around because, like, I'm from Florida. I know nothing about their frat. It's low risk. Like, it's not like whatever secrets they're shit, like, hiding. um, I'm not, I'm not the one to spill them because I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at, you know? So they show me around the third floor um, and we're walking past this room and he goes, oh, this is your cousin's big. This is his room. And his big walks out. Um, We're going to call him Fish. If you know, you know. And Fish walks out and he's like, oh my God, I've been dying to meet you. You're the cousin, blah, blah, blah. Get your ass in here. Like, let me meet you. Let me know all about you, blah, blah, whatever. 
And I'm asking him, I'm, I'm a good you know, social companion in this sense. I'm asking him questions about his frat, about his life, getting to know him genuinely. And he's a good guy. He's good. He's maybe like five feet tall, but he's good. He's nice. It's, he's fine. I don't know. Um, and there's a bunch of people in his room. They're drinking like actual alcohol and not jungle juice. So I'm like, I see you. I'll, I'll chill in here. He shows me around the frat house. He takes me to the balcony to show me the view and to show me the house and whatever. So that was maybe like 11 o'clock at night. I was there until 7 a.m. the next morning. But I was up with him and his friends till maybe five. So it was like super late. Bunch of people. People started to dwindle. It was just him, his best friend and I at one point. Um, The two of them made out. That was a fucking, that was a whole moment. It was actually kind of cool. I was like, damn, okay, I see you. Um, but he, then he tried to say that the other guy was a better kisser than I was. And I was like, damn, okay, like I will prove you wrong. And that's kind of when things got physical. I hadn't, (laughs) I know it's going to sound like I said, challenge accepted and you're not going to believe me, but I had genuinely no intention of sleeping with him when I met him. And, and then it just kind of like the vibe just kind of changed. Now, if I tell you it was literally the worst experience of my life, not in like a bad icky, any sort of like consent or assault way not that at all but like just bad (laughs) like just anything you can think of that could go wrong not yeah not good not good and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like expose his ass but um so so I stay over we do whatever I stay over we do whatever it was bad I stay over kind of reluctantly honestly um the the vibe was weird he was still asleep the next morning. I like tapped him and I was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go back to my cousin's dorm, whatever. It was nice to meet you, blah, blah. I put my clothes on. I put my heels back on, which was an L. Um, and I walked right out the front door of the frat house and got lost for an hour. Like I literally, it's a five minute walk from the dorm. Zero idea where I was going. I walked literally in a circle for an hour which I low-key am grateful for. It taught me like getting lost actually isn't the worst thing. I'm anxious naturally, so I, you know, don't don't love feeling lost. Um, but I got to see so much of that area of Montreal that I would not have seen if I hadn't gotten lost. Like literally we had no plans to be in that area. Um, so super nice. I mean, it was, it was a nice walk. It was nice outside. It was nice and chilly. I had a jacket or maybe I didn't. I don't know. We were at a party. I, I forget, but um, it was nice. I enjoyed it. I got coffee. My phone wasn't working because I was out of the country. So I had no like directions or anything. Um, if that's what you're thinking, I tried to have service or Wi-Fi at the frat house and I couldn't get on their Wi-Fi. It was like a whole thing. So um, I get lost. I finally make it back to my cousin's door and I go on the door and who opens the door? <laughs> Uh, well no one at first actually had to knock like three times and i'm texting my cousin like where the fuck are you are you asleep like let me in your door is locked um like i can't just sit in your door i'm a stranger sitting in your dorm room hallway like please like what are we doing right knock again right who opens the door the guy from the night before and the girl that came to visit my cousin standing there with like a blanket covering her and the guy's like shirtless with boxers on and I'm looking at them like dumbfounded. And this is this story is why I wish you could see my face. Like this story is why I want to do video podcast because, oh my God, the look on my face was like, uh, okay, all right, I see you. 
Um, and he was like, I'm gonna go. And I was like, yeah. And then she was like, no, stay, wait for, wait for my cousin, like, wait for him. And I was like, uh, um, do you really want him to stay and wait? And then he, like, my cousin got back, the guy left, blah, blah, blah. And the girl, my cousin went to shower. I'm sitting in his room, my cousin's room on my phone, whatever. And the girl's sitting there in the room with me. And she's like, so are you, like, mad? Are you, like, upset? Was that weird? Was that uncomfortable? And I'm like, uh, literally not mad. Met him 48 hours ago, zero attachment, knew what it was, knew that it was temporary. Like, I'm fine. Like, actually was fine. But if you're gonna ask me if it was weird, that's a different story. Yes, it was really fucking weird. And I was, I mean, I was super uncomfortable with her just about the way she went about, uh, the way she went about it. And I don't know that I've ever told my cousin this, but as he was in the shower and she's asking me, like, was it weird? Was it this? Was it that? She was, like, comparing notes with me about the sex. She's like, um, what about this and that? And you said this and I didn't, you know, he didn't do it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, girl, you just had my sloppy seconds and you're really out here comparing notes not to be that bitch. Not to be that bitch. But, like, the fuck? Excuse me? Like, literally watch your mouth. Because that's, I'm sorry, that's inappropriate. I don't, I don't want to compare notes with you. I told you when you asked me the first, like, the the next day how it was, I told you honestly, like, as a girl, like, girl talk, and then you literally used what I said, and now you're comparing it to the experience that you had, like, ew, literally stop. Um, so, that, and then she left that day, I left the next day to come back home. Um, honestly, great fucking trip, though. I had literally the best time. No, if, like, take all the boys, all the parties, all the alcohol out of it, I just get to spend a weekend with my cousin. Phenomenal. That's all I want, honestly. I I would have been equally content doing nothing and sitting in his room all day talking because that's how close we are. But we did a lot of really fun stuff. We went to this place. If you live in Montreal or you know Montreal at all or you're going to Montreal, it's called La Banquise. It's a poutine place. Super, super good. And it's open 24 hours. I think we went there like two or three times while I was there. We went to a place called Schwartz, which had like the best like pastrami sandwich I've ever there's pictures of me literally like stuffing my face with the sandwich we went to a really really cool coffee shop i was like living my best artsy dreams in this like coffee shop there was like plants everywhere and like beautiful leather couches like it was minus all this crazy shit a great trip um so (laughs) that's your that's your fun tea for this episode that's the story i've been waiting to tell because it's kind of spicy um and yeah i don't know i don't know what to say about it but we're gonna backtrack now because this this episode is called controversial conversations first of all let's let's talk about controversial because we have had one thing after another that is controversial on this episode so the whole fall in love with me just for a year kind of controversial the whole take a step back and be my friend kind of controversial the whole (laughs) let's compare notes on the sex we both had maybe not controversial but definitely falls in some sort of category of uncomfortable but um let's talk about the sexy syrian again this man surprised me on many levels and one of those levels is that he's a fucking republican can we talk about that i I feel like my politics are clear in hearing me on this politic on this podcast he is a fucking republican and i he's gonna hear that and he's gonna fucking hate me 
but I literally like, I'm listening to this man talk and I'm like oh no you're making it worse like oh fuck like now I can't like you like I can't even I can't tell my mom I fucked a Republican are you kidding me <laughs> I'm kidding with that but I was listening to him talk at, at first I will clarify and I was like oh fuck like oh I actually thought you were cool and then we got into an actual conversation and it cleared up right away. I, I felt no weirdness at all about his uh, politics after we talked. And the couple like kind of different conclusions that we came to together, honestly, in our conversation was that there, there's, there needs to be an emphasis on conversation. Even within, in, as meta as that sounds, even within our conversation, we're talking about how no one talks about and it's actually a lot of my friends right now, like a lot of the people I'm, I surround myself with are actually Republicans, they're actually conservative, and they're all kind of from the same small town, Avon Park, and so maybe culturally it's one way, but some of them are actually very well-informed people with their political opinions, and, and they, something that one of my friends said to me that I super respect, even if she's like more conservative than I am, or, or conservative period, and I'm not, is she said, I don't vote for politicians, I vote for policy, which I, I crazy respect. But the, the common theme with my friends so far and with this guy has been, these people are surprised that as a liberal, I'm able to have a, an intelligent, calm, normal conversation with them where I listen <laughs> to what they have to say. They are surprised that I am capable to do that as a liberal. And all I want to say is... Can we talk about what that says about liberals? Like, I, I hesitate to generalize in that way, but the fact that literally one after another of my friends that are conservative have said to me that they're impressed that I'm capable of having a conversation, to me, is like, holy shit, then who, who are you interacting with that isn't capable of having this conversation? And can we talk about that? Because I think as soon as, even as a liberal, as soon as you get on your high horse and you say, this is all the shit that I care about, I'm not compromising anything, you literally ruin the entire concept of liberalism. I'm sorry to say it, but like that isn't it. Liberalism is centered around the welfare of people. The welfare of the people in this country, not welfare as a program or as a, as a money government thing. Welfare in the real sense of the word, well-being. That's what liberalism says it's centered around. How can you claim, how can I claim, how can any of us claim that we are here to fight for the well-being of people when we literally won't listen to them? And as someone who wants to be a lawyer, as someone who wants to be a politician and, and be engaged in this sphere, in this climate of politics, I, it would be foolish of me to think that as a liberal, my liberal ideas are all I will need to be successful at that. Because, hey, guess what? Half of the country believes something different. So as a politician, you're in public service. How the fuck am I meant to serve an entire population of people that I won't listen to? Um, and so that, that's not, I mean, that's a conclusion and a, a, a point and an opinion I'm making on my own. But he and I had this whole conversation about like people are not capable of having those kinds of conversations and they are so important. When he said he was a Republican, I was like, fuck. And that's my judgment. That's my prejudice. That's my preconceived notion of Republicans, which honestly, to be fair, isn't fair anymore because I've met plenty of Republicans who have had, I've had very reasonable, very enlightening, very engaging conversations with 
very recently in my life. So to have that reaction is still unfair. Um, and I didn't, I don't know if I reacted that way out loud, but um, I don't know if I said fuck, like, ooh. Um, but as we started talking, I, I realized that the, there wasn't a lot that was coming out of his mouth that I disagreed with. There were things that I think we approach from different angles. Um, but something I'll clarify about my politics, too, is that I'm not foolish enough to think that I have all the answers. I'm also not foolish enough to think that Democrats have all the answers. I'm also not foolish enough to think Republicans have all the answers. What I am smart enough to believe is that the solution absolutely has to be bipartisan for all of the issues that I care about. And and policy only goes so far. So the things that I care about um, often are quite cultural. And so there can be a policy changing or a law changing something. But if people don't follow suit with their beliefs and their culture, it doesn't really matter. So um, we had a really engaging, really interesting conversation. Uh, we, we did all of it, you know, guns, reproductive rights, you know, all this stuff, like government involvement in, in everything. And something also that I will clarify just from my point of view, and I don't know how many people that are leaning liberal or leaning left or consider themselves Democrats would agree with this, but this is a, dis- a differentiation that I make in my life when I meet people that tell me they're Republican, is there's a difference between conservative, Republican, people who voted for Trump, and Trump supporters. And I'm going to clarify now uh, what I mean by each of those categories. So conservative is actually a philosophy about government. And then I would say that republicanism is more like a set of ideals that inform policy. It's also a political party affiliation so that it only goes so far, right? People who voted for Trump might not necessarily like him and might agree with me when I say if he shut his fucking mouth, it would be 10 times better. Again, I don't agree with all his policy. I don't agree with all his ideology, but I also know that I I know there's a difference between people who say I voted for Trump because I could not bring myself to vote for Joe Biden. Um, And there's a difference between there's there. My point is there's a difference between those people and the people who live and breathe everything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. And what I've found is that the people in that last category are the people I cannot tolerate. My mom and my stepdad, you know, the people in my life that are are kind of crazy passionate about their liberalism might not love that. You know, they might not, they might be like, you really like people who voted for Trump? It's like, no, I can rationalize it though. (laughs) And not that my parents are unreasonable, but um, I can rationalize or I can allow them to rationalize why they voted for Trump and not feel weird about it. Um, my mom is also the kind of person who taught me it's really never about Republican or Democrat. It's about the best candidate. And so in 2008, when she voted for Obama, I remember being eight years old and having my mom look at me and say, if John McCain wins, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) Like it's John McCain is a great politician. He's a Republican and she preferred Barack Obama. And, you know, there's a lot more that informed that choice of hers when she voted, but she wasn't going to like lose sleep over John McCain winning the election because she knew he was a good, moral, grounded, really awesome politician. And so that's another thing my mom has instilled in me. And the last kind of point I want to leave with you on the politics side before we wrap up and recap a little is I, I said something to him that he disagreed with that I've thought about since which is, I said, I think Donald Trump is responsible for dividing the country. Which I still, I'm not going to take that back entirely, because I think he definitely exacerbated the divide. Like the divide. However, I think it was there. 
I think people were feeling that for years before Trump ever wanted to run for president or seriously took his his run for president. And so I came to the conclusion that it has to be both sides and it has to be the people, right? Because politicians' influence only goes so far when it comes to people's behavior. So again, I'm not here defending Donald Trump or Republicans or conservatives or Trump support. Like, that's not what this is. But I I am accepting more accountability on the side of like Democrats and liberals because it takes two to tango. The same way in a relationship, like it takes two people to make it work or to have it fail. It, it in, in a bipartisan system that we live in, it takes both sides to be successful. It also takes both sides to have the kind of political turmoil that we've had. So that's the last on the politics thing. And what you have to look forward to, if I can wrangle his ass, is a conversation, a political conversation specifically with this man that I met. Um, and again, I'll say it again, the sexy Syrian. I don't know if he'll like that, actually. I'm, I'm saying that a lot and on the assumption that he will like it. Um, oh, also, he's an EMT, which is hot, but like, whatever. Uh, um yeah, so I uh, we're going to do that. We're going to I'm going to do hopefully again if I can wrangle him. We're going to do an episode where I have questions for him and we sit down and we have this kind of conversation and he said he was like maybe I'm not the right person because I'm not like super educated on all the like political theory and stuff, but he is super opinionated and I I felt very informed on his opinions, which is helpful. Um but I think a conversation between two normal people is probably more productive than a conversation between two experts in politics because not only would that go over everybody's heads if it was too technical but it's also not the kind of conversation i want to inspire i want normal people to start having real genuine conversations where they listen to each other about politics and about what they believe and the thing that's interesting about these conversations is it sounds like it could be tense right like it sounds like that might not be super fun but I find that I feel like I understand people better when we have these political conversations, political conversations specifically. You know, the philosophical deep, let's talk about life and love and spirituality is one thing. Like, yes, that's a closeness that comes from those kinds of conversations and that kind of vulnerability. But when it comes to understanding how someone sees the world, I have found that there's no better way than talking to them about their political beliefs. And it can be tense. And that, uh, that, that takes, again, it takes two to tango. It depends on the parties involved. It depends on the people with whom you're having the conversation. But my urgency here is that the conversation needs to happen regardless of whether or not it's uncomfortable. That's another thing that this man is teaching me is that the things that make you uncomfortable, push that, push that boundary because it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't have to make you uncomfortable. And the reason it makes you uncomfortable is probably silly. And so once you push through that, you teach yourself in a way that things that make you uncomfortable really aren't that scary. So I, I want to recap now. We're going over an hour um, on the on the time here. I, I would like to clarify for the like third or fourth time that Tinder Boy and I have taken a step back. We're going to be friends, and I think we're going to be really great friends. And I'm really excited to see how that dynamic, how that friendship grows and blossoms. And I'm also grateful that I don't have to like say goodbye to him. I'm grateful that I get to keep him in my life selfishly because he's a great person and he adds a lot of value to my life and great perspective and we have great conversations and I really love being around him. Emotionally, investment-wise, romantically, etc., not going to work. And I, I think I explained that to him appropriately 
but I don't want him or anyone listening to think, oh, I just like, like curved this guy because I met someone else. And it's, again, it's probably that, that, that curving might be exacerbated by me calling him the sexy Syrian and saying he's an EMT and that's hot. That's just objectively, like, that's just objectively my experience with this new man. Um, and we all know how crazy I am and was about Tinder boy. So it's not like there's some sort of comparison of, oh, this person's hotter or better. It's not that actually at all, but it's in meeting this new person. I realized not just what I want, but again, how unfair of me it would, it would be to ask for what I want from Tinder boy. And so I, I want that to be clear. The other thing I want to be clear is, um, controversial is subjective. It's only controversial when we decide it is. And I leave you with that just because that's what I'm learning. That conversation with Tinder Boy on Sunday night, I was thinking about it all day, if not all weekend. I was nervous. I was anxious. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't know how he'd react. I didn't know what the result would be. I didn't know how we would move forward, if we would move forward. I didn't know if it was goodbye. I didn't know if it was the last time I would see him. I didn't know. And I was uncomfortable. And guess what? It went really well because I addressed it and I was honest and I was transparent and candid with him. And I pushed through that discomfort to have that conversation. And it went well. In the same way that... (laughs) When this new man said, I'm a Republican, I went, oof, and then pushed through that feeling to listen, to hear what he actually thinks. And it went well. Um, My point is that it might feel tense. It might feel controversial. Do it anyway. Take it from me. Do it anyway. Do it if it feels like a thing you should do, but it makes you uncomfortable, fuck it and do it anyway. And that's really the kind of the space I'm trying to live in right now is... Knowing what I want, knowing who and how to ask for that, and then also on this other side, taking the discomfort as an indication to push a boundary. And I I hope I leave you with some something of value from this episode, because as therapeutic as it is for me to talk about it and air it all out, I want you to be learning and and, uh, growing from listening to this. I don't want it just to be entertaining. I mean, I hope you're finding it entertaining. That is obviously also the point, but um, that's that's it, you know? I, that's, that's what I want to leave you with today. And so hopefully, maybe not next episode, because I don't, again, if I can wrangle him, um, I want to do that episode with this, this guy, this political thing. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, I also really want to do an episode with Tinder Boy about Tinder, um we'll see if he's down but i want to do it because he had a very interesting experience on experience on tinder that's obviously how we met um and we're kind of concluding a certain chapter of our relationship in in right now you know like that's kind of what just happened and so with that conclusiveness on that part of our dynamic i think it would be cool to have a conversation about about dating and about what happened and about you know everything and hear his voice on that hear his side um, and his perspective, because I think he has a lot of value to add to you guys that are listening on the on the opinions and information side. Um, and I also think I have a lot to learn from him still. Obviously, I find our conversations engaging and enriching. So uh, why not share that with you guys again, if he's willing and like down for that? 
Um, so that's kind of what you have to look forward to in the near future. I have no promises about what the next episode is about. I kind of want to talk about mental health because um, I've been going through some like ADD like stuff and like other stuff obviously too. So I kind of want to talk about that. But that's also like very current to me. So maybe too much right now. So I might, I might wait. Um, hit me up on the website. It is actually live and published. Um, it is, I think it's katehubblepodcast.weebly.com. If not, it's in the description of every episode. There's an email in the description. Also, please send me questions, stories, whatever you have, comments, concerns. Um, if you have a way to reach me in real life, do that instead because I never check the email. Um, I shouldn't admit that. If you actually sent me stuff, I would see it, but I don't get any notifications from it other than from Spotify. So, um, if you want to reach me in that way, feel free. Thank you for listening to this episode. This was episode five, Controversial Conversations. And guess what? That's the spirit of this podcast. So it's the title of episode five, but we're going to continue in that same energy. We're going to continue pushing that boundary a little bit. Um, And you'll probably, eventually when we have that political episode, you're going to hear me be very uncomfortable. And I want to be authentic and candid with that. I want you to get my real reaction when someone's talking about gun laws and I'm going, ugh. You know, I want I want that full experience for you, for me, for the podcast. So we're going to be doing that hopefully soon. If not, I'll come up with another topic for next week and I will see you guys on that episode. Be thinking about those boundaries in your life that you want to push a little bit. Think about it. Try. Take a risk. See how it could go. Thank you for listening and I will see you on the next episode.